Hello and welcome to the Missouri Beef Industry Council Report. With me right now is Dr. Carol Lorenzen with the University of Missouri. And she did a presentation on food defense to the Missouri Beef Industry Council. And Carol, I wanted to ask you, uh, what exactly is food defense? Food defense is putting a system together to prevent intentional contamination of the food supply. And we're trying to educate people on doing that from farm to fork. So we're discussing things that could be put in place for cattlemen today, but we've also discussed things in the classroom or with regional livestock specialists about what could be done in a food industry setting and also a food service setting like a hotel or restaurant. Why is this such an important thing right now? Well, after the unfortunate events of 9-11, we realized that we are vulnerable to attacks from people who would like to do us harm. The first thing that they would want to do is cause economic harm. And with Missouri being the second largest cow-calf state in the nation, that would make it um, an economically viable target. Some of the things that you presented uh, seem uh, common sense and relatively easy for producers to implement. Tell me about some of your suggestions. Yeah, we want this to be something they can do easily and to be economically feasible. So there are things as simple as putting a lock on the gate, as maybe getting a a driveway doorbell wire so when somebody comes onto the property you're notified, or even having just a visitor's log um, at your farmer ranch. And you had uh, some real good ideas about um, the ways that producers could po- develop a plan for uh, for food defense on their own um, operations. How do you hope to be able to get the message out to producers? Well, we're trying to work with the regional livestock specialists through the Missouri Extension Program at the University of Missouri, and then also working directly with the industry. Um, so we're hoping to actually partner with Missouri Cattlemen's, with the pork producers, and, and those sorts of organizations to help us draw a crowd to understand the message. We would then help producers actually develop their own plan, so help them assess what the vulnerable spots on their property are. For instance, you know, a gate that isn't hung right, um, or in a location where nobody can see it so that if somebody was entering the property they would know then um, help them to develop ways to make those vulnerabilities less accessible. You also mentioned that this isn't just you know potential terrorism that there's other things that you might be able to protect against in doing this. Here in Missouri there seems to be an issue with cattle rustling it could potentially um, help with that it could help if you don't have a biosecurity plan for an unintentional contamination of an animal disease where somebody brings it on the tires of their vehicle or on their clothing and also with extremist groups that may be against agriculture. As far as the potential for a disease outbreak, um, you had some pretty uh, startling numbers for if if we got the biggest threat is foot and mouth disease. What what could that mean? Well, on the national level, it could mean potentially a cost of two point three million dollars per hour until the outbreak was contained and um, dealt with. And we're, we're looking. It seems like, and I've, I've heard this on several levels, of looking at how. Um, what kind of an emergency response, um, how quickly you can address an issue like that. And that does come down to the individual operation. Right. And one of the big things that we would recommend with this plan is you would develop a response plan. And this would be your contact list. So this would have on it, how do you get a hold of your fire department and your police department, as well as potentially your local veterinarian 
and law, um, other kinds of law enforcement if it was a sheriff as, as opposed to a police department. It's always a good idea to have those kind of lists, as was mentioned, even if they're in the meeting tonight, even if there's an emergency like a fire on your property or if somebody has, if there's been an accident and you need to contact somebody about an employee. So it's, it's those contacts and then it's also contacts about your employees. Who do you contact if there's an emergency? You talked about the fact that this is, you know, this is kind of suggestions right now. This is voluntary right now. What is the potential that this could become mandatory? On the food side, we see that the Food Safety Inspection Service, which is responsible for um, federal meat inspection in the United States, this is the third year that they have audited their plants looking for voluntary food defense plans. And they have said that if they don't get a certain level of compliance, that they will then seek legislative authority to require food defense plans to be done. And the thought is if they do that, then meatpacking plants that are inspected would then push down that responsibility and ask their suppliers, meaning the producers of cattle, to also have a food defense plan. Well, I guess probably this comes down to the fact that maybe this is something that producers haven't even thought about. Um, how could how can they gain some information and become a little bit more well-informed and, and try and develop their plans? Right. Um, they, they may not have thought about this before. They may have heard the term biosecurity, and we're looking at this food defense kind of bridges biosecurity and food defense into food safety in our entire food supply. Um, they There is information currently on the USDA websites and the FDA websites that, that – deal with this. We're working with a grant. We're currently in our third year, and then we will be posting information on our website from the University of Missouri as well. Very good. That's Dr. Carol Lorenzen with the University of Missouri Animal Sciences Department. I'm Cindy Zimmerman reporting.